Welcome to the Holistic Wealth and Health Podcast. Your co-hosts, Jason Smith and Brian Bibbo, will inspire and teach you how to prosper in your mind, body, and spirit, not just your financial life. Joining forces with field experts, Jason and Brian are here to help you focus on what matters most in your life, living well. Let's get started. Welcome to the Holistic Wealth and Health Podcast with Jason Smith of the JL Smith Group. I'm Patrice Sikora, and Jason has guests today. Jason, how about telling us about Kasha? Sure. I'm excited to have Kasha here today because she's done so much for me over the last uh, year and a half. Kasha is actually my functional medicine coach. So she has a company called Nourish Up that she owns. I started working with her about a year and a half ago just to help me overall. I just, I really believe in coaching and having someone help you and hold you accountable and teach you in areas that you want to be better at. And health is something that's very important to me. So that's why uh, I engaged with Kasha. So Kasha is actually a little bit of background briefly. She uh, has a PhD in biochemistry and she's a former biologist or bi- how do I say? Virologist. Uh, Kasha. Virologist, sorry. <laughs> Obviously, I have a business, not a science background. But yeah, Kasha, t- tell a little bit about your background. My whole adventure with viruses started a while ago. I was a research scientist for 13 years. We did research on HIV and the immune system and how they interact together. And then I switched over to functional medicine because I wanted to help people, well, in a more practical way to really change how they live, how they eat, and so that they would feel better on a daily basis. We've had all sorts of conversations about the viruses. Many of my clients have been worried about like what to do and how to stay healthy during this quarantine time, right? The stay at home order. There's there, and there's quite a lot that can be done. And I think this is a really interesting topic. And I think we'll talk a little bit about that, but I mean, mainly Kasha, why I wanted to have you on our podcast. So this is holistic wealth and health. And so we're going to weave in different health topics, different wealth uh, topics to educate all those that are listening, continue to provide them valuable content that can make their life better. And so on the wealth side, obviously taxes, insurance, investments, kind of all those things that we do, estate planning. But then on the health side, it's a mind, body, soul. And, and, and when I engage with you, Kasha, that's what I see is you're really helping me in all three areas. Because initially, I thought the engagement was really just going to be specific to my body health. But now, a year and a half in of us working together, I've gotten so much out of it from a mindset standpoint, from uh, different things, even more recently, the 30-day yoga challenge that you turned me on to that I've been doing, and I'm, uh, I'm on day four. And that's been really, really helpful. So I really feel like you're going to bring so much value to our listeners around different topics. I know we tried to identify about five things that they can do to stay healthy in this environment. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's so much that can be done for it. And to your point, Jason, uh, I really believe that when we are healthy and we're feeling well, we make better decisions. And that translates to better financial decisions, obviously, right? How do we do that? 
I think that this stay at home time, it's a really um, unique time to actually maybe even set a goal for what, what, like, how would you like to come out of the stay at home time? You know, few people sort of think about it in this way because it's often like, oh my gosh, it's such a change. There's a lot of uncertainty, right? And it's very easy to get swept up by the whole stress piece, listening to the uh, news and then really being just a, a ball of nerves that is, that is really overstrung, right? I think that the, taking a pause and really just catching some distance, that would be my tip number one, <laughs> to, to get yourself out of that stress, stress cycle. What to do for that? There is a number of things. I think dialing down on watching the news and really trying to chase every single piece of new information about the virus, it might be actually helpful, it, especially if you're not like a, a first-line responder. You probably don't need to do that because uh, for you, for your family, and really your closest community, staying uh, calm and staying centered in yourself, this is probably the best thing that you can do to not propagate this overall stress. The other thing that obviously works, you know, and a lot of people talk about in like de-stressing techniques, it's meditation, trying something new. If you have never meditated, there's so many tools online. There's free tools. There's apps that help people meditate. Some of my favorites, this is Headspace or Calm. I also love the Insight Timer. Those are uh, guided meditation apps that you can set the time for like five, 10 minutes, however long you want to do a meditation for. So this is a great time to maybe try something new in, in, in this vein. The other thing, connecting with yourself, right? So meditation can do that, going for a walk. But my favorite method for connecting with myself is actually journaling. And I know this is something that I've shared with you, Jason, right? I'm a big fan of uh, bullet journaling methods. There is a website called, called bulletjournal.com. And I absolutely loved, love that method. I've been using it for two years. And I think the power of it is really just to sit down and kind of create a focus for the day. Or I know Jason loves doing the, the positive in like the first thing yeah. in the morning. And that is such a powerful technique, you know, to take yourself out of the, the stress response and, and being more in control of what you actually want to create. I, I've modified a little bit because I think that's what I love about the bullet journal is I followed the system, but I abbreviated it for my life because I got a pretty crazy life with these four little kids every morning, twin two-year-olds and four-year-olds and just getting up and, and they get up at the crack of dawn. So squeezing in that little bit of a time to start the day sometimes can be challenging. So I've had to abbreviate it down, but that's what I love about the bullet journaling format is they give you the ability to, if you have the time to go as deep as you want to go, or if you want to abbreviate it, you can just hit on the main high points that are most important to you. And for me, the journaling is getting my mind right first thing in the morning. And, and what gets me there is the wins, is, is memorializing and celebrating the wins from the previous day. I identify a minimum of three wins every single day, no matter what. And sometimes it's more like this morning, I had five on there. 
Other mm-hmm. times I am squeaking out that third win, right? <laughs> I mean, it might be something as like as little as the kiss my wife gave me at night before we went to sleep. But you got to find those wins and celebrate them to keep your mindset. And I found that to be really helpful, especially in this environment. Kasha, this is Patrice jumping in here. Love the idea of the journaling. This is discipline, though. And sometimes people don't have that discipline. That's true. And this is typically the first thing that goes out the door, right? (laughs) Especially when your normal routine is totally disrupted. What I think is really great about bullet journaling method, just like Jason said, it's very adaptable and it actually... It doesn't require as much discipline as, as you might think. It's really a matter of finding five minutes sometime in your morning and then maybe another five minutes sometime in your evening or just doing it once a day, really. You can adapt, uh, kind of mold it to what works for your lifestyle. But discipline, sometimes this is my personal experience with that word and the concept of it because sometimes it feels so stifling. But discipline can also be a great source of freedom because once we sort of automate certain things that we know we need to do, this can really give us great benefits. And I think this actually brings us to the second tip that is what we should be doing during the stay at home time, which is really keeping up with the exercise routine. I think this is very important after stopping the stress cycle. So it's the exercise and this is another thing that, uh, that often goes out the window, right? Because the gyms are closed, the classes, the group classes are not there. I know very few people, and I'm definitely not one of those who exercise at home. How to do it? You know, this was also a challenge for me personally. And I think this is, this is really key. And this is key for a number of reasons. Exercise, you know, moving your body it has been shown to have beneficial effects on your brain, on your memory, and then also on your immune system, especially if it is not excessive exercise. We have this lymphatic system in our body that mirrors our circulatory system. And the difference is such that circulatory system has a pump, which is our heart, but our lymphatic system, that's pretty much the highway for our immune system, does not move unless we move our skeletal muscles. We move our skeletal muscles when we exercise, when we walk, when we do any sort of movement. So we need to move our bodies. I would say that exercise, maybe maybe it is a bit of a narrow term. It's really more move your body. And going back to that discipline and the, the power of the routine, I think this can be really beneficial during the stay at home time to find a consistent time to do your exercise because then you will always fit it in. And it is also something soothing for our brain. You know, our brains, they love routines and they love habits. If you can set it up in a way that can work for your day with your family all being at home and if you have to work from home, this is going to make you more efficient, more rested, and then also more resilient to any viral infection, really. For me too, to piggyback off the discipline and the exercise, I'm, I love outdoor kind of activities as part of my exercise. And then I'd love going to the yoga studio doing yoga classes. Mm-hmm. And then I also had a strength trainer that I would go to two times a week and go work out. And all of a sudden, 
everything stopped. It like came to a grinding halt when all this hit, I guess going on six weeks ago now when we started staying home. And and we took it pretty seriously about staying home. And you know this, gosh, all of a sudden I completely stopped working out because I've never worked out at home. But adapting to where now I have my trainer virtually coming in for 30 minutes and doing a workout with me. And you turned me on to that 30-day yoga challenge, kind of really more for beginners. And I've been doing it for a while. But And you said this up front. You're like, oh, it's pretty easy at first. But I'm actually seeing where I'm still getting a lot out of it. And it's gonna. I'm going to continue to get a lot out of it. You got to do it. You got to discipline yourself to move your body. It's just putting the routine in place. And now I have the routine. Now you've been moving your body, but what are you putting into your body so you've got the energy to move the body? Absolutely. So this kind of takes us to the tip number three, right? We have to talk about food when we're talking about holistic health and well-being. I would say when we talk about food, we definitely want to focus on things that decrease inflammation in our body. This is particularly important, I think, in this time of the pandemic, because it's known that the virus really kind of hits the people who have underlying inflammatory conditions. The inflammation in the body, it's such a broad topic and it's continuously being studied. Let's talk for a brief moment, you know, what inflammation really is. The best example is to look on the outside of the body. For example, if you scrape your knee and there's a wound, you see that the knee gets first red, it gets hot, there's maybe some pussiness on the outside, and then eventually it kind of scabs over, then it sort of scars over, and and everything goes away, it changes color, it goes back to normal. So that's the normal process of inflammation. And this is very healthy. We absolutely need inflammation in our body to fight infections, to heal the wounds and all that. What happens though, sometimes on the inside, that inflammatory process does not turn off. It's like this low grade wound that doesn't get healed. There's an ongoing immune response. So the the immune cells are constantly looking for the target and that creates damage. There are certain foods that actually can increase inflammation. And this is pretty well known that excess amount of sugar you know, processed flour, low quality plant oils, and then also low quality animal oils can also be inflammatory. And those would be the top three that I would eliminate. And how to do it? Well, the easiest way to eliminate these types of foods that are inflammatory is to challenge yourself to eat more whole foods, less things that are in packets, packages that, are, that have been processed. Things that really are closer to their natural state, a broccoli, cauliflower, carrots, they don't have even food labels. So things without food labels are are the whole foods. The other thing that also helps with that is to, well, cook at home, which you probably naturally are already doing. We've been at it for a few weeks now. And people are cooking more at home and discovering all the joys and and the horrors of doing so at home because you need to find new recipes and then again how to do it well we live in this amazing time of internet where you can find everything on the internet and it may be a great time to explore your favorite food blog and one of the one of the things that i would also challenge you to do 
even if you are like an omnivore and you've never tried a vegan diet, look what's what people on like vegan blogs are doing. Not to become a vegan, but to actually maybe cook something different, you know, just venture out. So this may be fun in terms of just the variety, which I think this is also one of the things that we literally crave in this time of stay at home. Again, just to go back to this what to eat for less inflammation. It would be whole foods, all the vegetables, fruits, whole grains, good quality animal proteins, nuts and seeds, all these things that don't have uh, explicit labels and haven't been heavily processed and doused with additional sugars or, or processed oils. That would be my tip number three. Casa, you're talking about quality of food. Um, what about quantity? Because I've heard a lot where people are saying they're gaining weight because they're like snacking all day and they're home yeah. all the time. What about that's, that? Any yeah, that's a great question. And um, that actually goes back to that routine and discipline. Having set meal times may be very helpful because it's so easy to eat out of boredom because I feel like it and there's nothing else to do and I am stressed. Many people really do use food to de-stress themselves. So putting in place things like, okay, let's drink a cup of herbal tea or let's drink some water or let's go and meditate for a moment or journal prior to actually going back to the fridge for another snack. There's also a biochemical and physiological rationale behind it because not snacking all the time is going to actually give you more energy. Digestion requires a lot of energy from the body and having food coming in all the time, it really draws your blood supply into the gut away from your brain. So you won't have the energy to really tackle all the problems that you need to tackle. Having a set time for meals and actually avoiding snacking and drinking in between your meals, drinking water or herbal stuff, herbal teas might be a much better way to go. Another, another thing that also snacking can do, it can greatly shift your microbiome. We need breaks in our food for our digestive tract to perform so-called cleansing waves, which is the natural peristaltic movement that the, the GI tract is doing when we are not putting food in. And that actually helps to push the food and the microbes down the, down the line, which creates better gut health. And that is definitely something to tend to, especially if you're thinking about your immune system and staying healthy and being more resilient to viral infections. Kasha, I keep hearing stories about people drinking more, too. I mean, <laughs> not, not water either. <laughs> yes. So this was sort of a, one of my other tips is to really avoid numbing yourself. I guess avoid numbing can be turned into create more positive and active pleasure because that's what I think we're after with drinking, smoking, eating, or compulsive shopping online, whatever it is. It, and, it, and, and again, it's like a closed circle. It's going back to this Point number one, stopping the stress cycle and really pausing and tuning into what is that you want to create in your life. And not only in this stay-at-home time, but in general. 
there is a great reason to not drink excess amount of alcohol. I want to chime in actually real quick, Kasha, because I know for me personally, I noticed myself over the last whatever it's been five, six weeks where I was having a drink just to kind of try to release stress a little bit. And that's one of the things you talked to me about is replacing that with meditation. And I'm not a real good meditator, but the thing that did help me with that was the little trick of the legs up the wall. Because for whatever reason, when I do that, when I get in that position and just simply put my legs up the wall, like you recommended, I can just chill out for like three minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes and disconnect my mind. But I was using kind of alcohol to have a drink or two to do that. And then kind of sets these rules of I'm only going to drink in a social environment. Well, that's kind of weird in, in the social <laughs> distancing. But we have get togethers at the company. We have a virtual happy hour on Fridays, Wednesdays, a bunch of financial advisors do a virtual get together. And so I've kept it to only being in social like situations and to eliminate the hab not habit, but where I noticed myself having a couple drinks to relieve stress in, in replacing it, you know, with meditation. Thanks for bringing that up. That's exactly my thinking. First, you ask yourself, okay, why am I doing X, Y, and Z? Why am I drinking? Why am I eating another cookie? Or why am I doing something that you don't want to be doing? Because there's usually an underlying reason. A good coach will always ask you that. Why do you need it? And then once you identify that, you can try to find a swap. That legs up the wall pose, I love it because I know that this is physically a very strong signal to the body to switch over from the sympathetic nervous mode, which is the fight or flight, which is your stress response, to the parasympathetic nervous system mode, which is your so-called rest and digest and just the normal relaxation time. The legs up the wall, just to explain it really quickly for people who don't know it, it, you pretty much put yourself in the right angle position where your torso and your head are lying on the floor or on the bed and you scoot your uh, bottom all the way to the floor or the, the headboard of your bed and you put your legs up so that the blood flow from your legs kind of goes the other way than normally. This is the pose that exactly helps the body to relax because in this position, the body cannot literally run. So your brain gets a very strong signal. Well, we won't be able to run. We must be safe. Well, let's switch over from this um, stress mode, right? When we are totally mobilized to the relaxation mode. So this is a perfect thing to do, especially in the evening when you're trying to wind down and go to bed excessive alcohol consumption, it's a known immunosuppressant. There's tons of research on that, that that shows that people who drink too much, they, they just, you know, their immune system doesn't work as well. So dial it down. <laughs> for women, it's one drink uh, a night, and probably not every night. And for guys, it's one to two drinks. It doesn't mean zero, but it is really in moderation. And finding these other ways to to feel pleasure and to find joy and to feel more relaxed. Take that one step further into sleep. How can we improve our sleep? Yes, and this is totally the tip number five, which 
I thought, you know, initially to start this conversation with sleep, <laughs> because everywhere you go, it's like, uh, they say like, yes, prioritize your sleep. And I totally agree with that. I actually have a signature talk that it is about all about sleep. And I love this, the, the topic of sleep because sleep is this kind of a, a mysterious time when we are not conscious and we, we, and our bodies really get to rest and rejuvenate and rebuild a lot of damage. And it's also when the body is sick and re- uh, needs recovery, it needs more sleep because that's when this happens. How can we sleep better? I would say we're going back to the routine again. It is so worth it to have a set sleep time. It's so easy, right? To just like stay up, watch Netflix indefinitely, and then be super groggy and finally fall into bed. Uh, This probably is not going to improve the quality of your sleep. If you can go to bed before midnight, you're going to get a better quality of sleep. And sleeping with the rhythm of the sun is uh, meaning when the sun goes down, you should start winding down, especially now when the days are getting longer. And uh, waking up when the sun is up is also the best the best time because that's going to help you to synchronize your in, internal clock the circadian clock of your body that senses all these changes during the day and that also helps with having better energy during the day kind of being synchronized with that dark and light cycle what's what's the number what's the minimum and maximum number that you would recommend have you done much research or studying on that of like um what that minimum and maximum or ideal number is an average adult requires between seven to nine hours of sleep. Six hours is too short. Six and a half is too short. Yeah, depending on the person, depending on their activity level, right? And well, stress level and how they feel. Sometimes you may need more. When I got a cold just recently, I have been sleeping 10 hours because I was just so tired and it really helped me to to get better. And then also, you know, sleep gets disrupted. So then sometimes you're sleep time can can get extended sleep also depends on what you eat during the day really the foods that you're choosing can either enhance your sleep or disrupt your sleep so everything that we talked about your eating schedule and the routine and not snacking and actually having meals where when you don't drink a ton of water during the meal but you actually hydrate in between the meals that will help with digestion overall Better digestion means more vitamins and amino acids on board to build the calming neurotransmitters that are required for sleep, like GABA and melatonin. Eating those whole foods, that's where you get the nutrients from. And then creating a nighttime routine. It's almost like you, Jason, know how to put kids to bed because you have toddlers at home. But when we're adults and when we don't have kids anymore at home, it, we sometimes forget that it actually we need to put ourselves to bed. And that takes time. It, it's impossible to go from like, okay, watching YouTube videos on your computer or like stuff on your phone and then expect your body to fall asleep within 10, 15 minutes. It takes an, on average minimum of 30 minutes to an hour for the brain to actually register that there is no light coming in and that it's required to switch over from the cortisol production to melatonin production and actually go, go to sleep. That hour before you want to sleep, this is a really critical time when you want to turn your 
lights down, you want to turn off your electronics and do something that's calming and quieting uh, for you to actually have a good quality sleep. Then there's a couple of things that you can do, obviously, for your sleep environment. I think having an open window, letting in some fresh air, this is a great idea during sleep. Making sure that you have a comfortable mattress, that your cover is not too cold nor, nor too hot. And then also keeping your bedroom on the cooler side. Uh, this, is, this is also a good idea because we usually, our, our body temperature actually goes down at night. That's why you want your cover to be just right. Not too hot, not too, not too cold so that, so that you don't wake up. I think that sleep, that one hour before going to sleep, the sleep environment, eating well during the day, all those things are, uh, are important. And sleep can also, I guess we can take it as far as what is your caffeine consumption? I know that there are some people that live on coffee, right? They can't live without it. And if you have, if you're one of these people and you have sleep issues, maybe we, you need to play around when you finish drinking your coffee during the day. Because the caffeine metabolism, you know, the, we, we are all different and some people metabolize caffeine really quickly. Some are actually slow metabolizers. You know, the half-life of caffeine ranges between five to eight hours. That means that whatever you had, let's say at 2 p.m., five to eight hours later, there's still 50% of that in your system. So if you are having a hard time falling asleep, then check when, when was your last coffee or caffeinated yeah. drink, which is sodas, this is black a, tea, green tea, all of that. Yeah, this is fantastic, Kasha. Thank you so much for being on here. So thank you, Kasha and Jason Smith, Jason of the JL Smith Group. To make sure you don't miss any new episodes, subscribe to the Holistic Wealth and Health podcast using the subscribe button on this page. You can also share with friends and colleagues by tapping the share button. I'm Patrice Sikora, and let's talk again later. Thank you for listening to the Holistic Wealth and Health podcast. We hope we inspire you to make changes so you can live your best life. If you want to find out more about what we do, or if you want to have a holistic wealth and health financial plan, please call 440-934-9181. Please subscribe to the podcast and share it widely with your friends and family. Financial planning and investment advisory services offered through Prosperity Capital Advisors PCA, an SEC-registered investment advisor. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of J.L. Smith Group or Prosperity Capital Advisors. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial services providers with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Financial planning and investment advisory services offered through Prosperity Capital Advisors, PCA, an SEC-registered investment advisor. JL Smith Group and PCA are separate entities. PCA does not provide tax or legal advice.